Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined once again by Corey, the Bayou Benders, with a special guest, Ryan Prot, And this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. good how are you guys doing great man doing great we really appreciate you coming on here and uh getting to chat with us about some hockey specifically the habs uh just for a little i guess intro to people who may not know who you are uh you write for rabbit habs and i wrote briefly for rabbit habs as well i think (laughs) maybe maybe two articles and that was too much for me so i have a lot of respect that you're able to keep pumping out content but yeah what do you want to Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I've been writing at Rabbit Habs for uh, probably about like 15 months now. I started started like just before the lockout last season, or not the lockout, sorry, COVID pandemic shortened season. So I've been writing there for a while. Uh, it's pretty, it's awesome working there. Uh, my editor, Ian, he's great. Uh, a lot of the staff there is great. And uh, a lot of freedom to kind of do a lot of different things that I want to write articles, make videos. So it's really uh, been a pleasure working there and um, can't say enough about the opportunity they gave me as someone who's trying to break into the sports journalism field. And that's awesome. And uh, actually Mason had sent me that last little clip you had made um, and that show was awesome. So I just wanted to tell you, you know, uh, if if you think if you personally think it was simple, it was uh, it was really cool. And I don't know what you had to do to make it uh, make it like time lapse like that. But it was really badass. Thank oh, you. Talking about the NHL commercial. Yeah. 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 That yeah, was those, sick. Yeah, that was fun. I remember because I'm I'm 21. So those commercials came out, I think, in like 2010. So like right around that cup or the conference final run in 2010. I just remember those commercials and they were like the coolest thing. And I was like, I got to make that, especially with how they went to the cup finals last year. It was just some, something special. So I decided to make one of those. And then I, I liked how it turned out. I thought it was pretty cool. So, no, I thought it was awesome. I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about too. There's a Yarrow Halak one, right? It was, yeah. Halak wasn't Le Magnifique. My French sucks. Yeah. yeah, it was like a good time lapse against him and the Capitals. They were awesome. They need to bring those back. The NHL's marketing, we talk about it a lot on this podcast. It's it's not great, hey? Yeah, like they've got, like that's a gold mine in my opinion. Like they could bring that back and it would be well received. I still get chills when I watch some of them. 
And there's so many iconic moments that happen in the playoffs that those commercials highlighted that they just don't mm-hmm. talk about enough. And it's like, it's a great opportunity, especially with just in the last 10 years since those commercials have been made, how many iconic moments we've seen. So my personal like next favorite to see would be what if the, what if the Tampa Bay lightning weren't over the cap? I would have <laughs> like to see that one. <laughs> a little bit of trolling. I was oh, thinking my dad, my dad was like, you should do one for the Leafs. <laughs> of like, what if, <laughs> what if Galchenyuk didn't make that pass or something like that? <laughs> That's awesome. So is your, so we ask a lot of people because Corey is from New Orleans. So his story on becoming a Habs fan is pretty, pretty funny, pretty long-winded, but you know, mine's pretty simple. <laughs> my dad's a Habs fan. I'm a Habs fan. How about yourself? How did you become a Habs fan? Pretty, pretty much the same way. Basically, with all my sports teams, it's like, oh, that's what my dad likes. That's what I like. And it's a yeah. pretty special bond to have. So uh, um, that's basically how it is, is kind of born into it. I think when I was born on my incubator, my dad put a Habs flag on there. <laughs> and my, my, gra- my grandpa came in with a Leafs mini stick and he was too late <laughs> nice. from, from birth. So yeah. awesome. Now, what? So you, we know you write for uh, Rabbit Habs. And you, you're talking about pursuing a career in journalism. So, it's my understanding that you're at school right now. Yeah, I'm uh, studying journalism at Laurier. Okay, so. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And are you? So I'm from Southern Ontario. Are you also from around here? Yeah, yeah. I'm from Southern Ontario, so I'm in Leafs country, but uh, yeah, I understand over here. Fight a good was, fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much oh it's always you you're either with the Leafs fans or the Sens fans and they're both a bunch of idiots so yeah basically it's 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 more like you got Leaf fans and then you've got anybody who hates the Leafs in southern Ontario <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they kind of they almost come together for a little bit there for that part yeah well that's awesome I mean like you're obviously taking a pretty good path to pursuing a journalism career with Rabbit Habs I've you know, spoken to Ian briefly too. And I totally agree. He's an awesome guy. A great, not like, not only just a great writer, but a resource to have, you can learn. I think a lot of people could learn a lot from Ian. So yeah. And now moving on to, unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about uh, personally, uh, we can move on to some Hab stuff. I love it. Let's do it. All right. So a polarizing figure among the Habs community, to say the least, Ben Sherratt was recently traded. Now, I know that you're pretty active in the Twitter sphere of Habsland. I want to know what is your opinion on this trade? Do you think, you know, are you the uh, Scotian Canadian kind of Ben Sherrod is a god, we shouldn't have traded him? Or are you more in the, this was an amazing trade, like we fleeced um, Florida here? Uh, see, I'm not as high on Ben Sherrod as that community is I got a lot of respect for Scotian Canadian and like the dedication he has to just uploading videos all the time we we love him that's why I'm joking around here we have yeah a, he's he's great but I was not as high on Ben Sherratt as other people because people talk about the value he brings this like this rugged gritty guy and that's true in a sense like in the playoffs last year he he was pretty solid and was a deserve some credit for the run they had but let's face it they're not going to the playoffs this year they have no use for Ben Sherrod at this point so I wasn't in the the camp of like he sucks per se 
like because there's a lot of people that think that but I kind of looked at it as he's a guy who's his value to the Canadians is more as a trade chip than he is as a on the ice impact which is saying a lot because from a leadership standpoint it sounds like he he played a pretty big role there as well so I really liked the trade, uh, just the idea to get rid of him because with Mark Bergevin, I was not, I would not have been nearly as confident that, that would have happened because he's not as uh, keen on moving guys. So I liked the trade just for the fact that they were open to moving him. And then the return was just, I love that return. I thought, I thought when they said he was going to Florida, I thought like, they don't have their 2022 first round pick. They're not going to get a first for sure. That sucks. Mm-hmm. And then they got a first one. It was it was great. So I liked the trade. Uh, I'm just kind of curious now to see what uh, the prospect they got. Smell it. Smell. Smell. Forget well, his name. We've had some issues with that <laughs> name. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to try. Smil- yeah. It's like Similic or something like that. No, it's Smell something. Smilinovich. I think it's Smilinovich, but I could be wrong. Uh, I should have looked that up before. Don't feel bad. I can't. I can't get a name <laughs> uh, right on this show to save my life. But we'll just call him Tyler for the sake of you. Yeah, <laughs> he he's. I liked him. He's a good pickup. And then the first round pick is just gravy. So I I liked the trade. Uh, and I mean Kent Hughes. I mean he's only made two or three trades so far. One of them was for Andrew Hammond, will which was you know he's three and zero. So obviously that worked out. And now Ben Sherratt trade is looking pretty good too. So. It's, it's yeah, it's Similinic. Similinic. Yes. And we'll get back to the Ben Sherratt train, but just because you mentioned it, the Andrew Hammond trade, you're talking a lot. You like the move because it showed that Hughes did something. I love that move because, you know, you're talking about Bergevin. Bergevin, that move was not made to win games. It was made to protect Caden Primo. Exactly. That's a move. Yeah, that's a move Bergevin would not have made. Well, um, and it's just we saw under Ducharme last year, like, Primo got thrown to the wolves against the Leafs and then he got pulled. And it was just like the way they've handled Primo has been not ideal. Like they brought in Keith Kincaid and he didn't work out. So they had to call Primo up prematurely mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And now mm-hmm. like he's played way more NHL games than I think you ever could have hoped. And part of that is because of uh, injuries. But the other part is the organizational depth that goaltending has been tough because once one guy goes down, it was basically Primo is the next man up. So he's played a lot of hockey and he just doesn't look like he's ready. So going out and getting Hammond was just a great move because it provided insurance. And then of course Hammond got hurt. So again, with price Hammond and uh, Allen out, Primo almost had to come in. Thankfully Montembeau was able to hold down the fort until Allen came back. So, but I just like that move because it's like, first of all, I don't even remember what they gave up. It wasn't much. And then you get a goaltender who, earned an opportunity to return to the NHL and took it and ran with it. And I'm excited to kind of see what he can do when he comes back, because he definitely, definitely deserves to get a couple more opportunities in the NHL, even no, if Price and Allen are back. Yeah. And they traded Brandon Baddock. Yeah. And it was a yeah. Tough, one. tough <laughs> AHL grinders are a dime a dozen goalies. Well, he's basically a, like, he's an enforcer. I'm pretty sure Baddock. So it's like, you're not even trading a scorer. You're trading a guy who, is probably not good enough to make the NHL. So it's nothing. Yeah, exactly. And But moving back to the Sherratt deal, you were talking about his leadership abilities. And I've got to say, I was more in your line of thinking. I don't think Sherratt was useless. But after the start of this season that he had, I was pretty, was pretty ready for Ben Sherratt to move on. I had a lot of 
a lot of games where I was face palming watching his, you know, I think we as Habs fans were expecting him to be something he's not. He's not a top defenseman and he was played in that capacity. But I will say watching that press conference that he did the day after he was traded, that kind of touched my heartstrings a little bit because you can see that, you know, I think one one common thing we've seen, we've seen from players traded from this organization under Kent Hughes, none of them have wanted to leave. And I think that bodes well for the future. Well, I mean, it really sucks to move on from guys that want to play here, especially with the narrative that free agents don't want to come to Montreal. But mm-hmm. when you're winning, there's no better place to be in Montreal. And that's not, never going to change as long as you win. The problem is when you're losing, it's not as easy. But when guys are saying amazing things about Montreal and saying, hey, I'd love to come back to Montreal if the opportunity presents itself, it's a sign of doing some of the right things. I mean, I think Rem Pitlick has come here and has raved about what it's like to play in this city. And he's only been here for 20 games because it's just different than Nashville, Minnesota, where he came before. Not to say that those places aren't great places to play hockey, but it's just a different thing in Montreal. And so when you hear Ben Chirot talk about it, it's not surprising. I mean, Ben Chirot is going to go to Florida and I wouldn't be surprised if nobody knew he was there as a Florida <laughs> Panthers fan. Whereas in Montreal, he's walking down the street, he's signing autographs maybe. So it's a, it's a different beast. And so that's an asset that you could use in, in free agency pitches and things like that, that uh, it's, it's, it's nice to hear, especially uh, for a guy like Sherratt, who you mentioned it, he's not uh, an amazing player. He's a, a bottom pairing defenseman on the playoff team, but he gets recognition in Montreal because it's a different beast here. And I think, I think uh, just to piggyback on it, I think that narrative of no one wanting to come here anymore, uh, well, wants to be here. Um, I think that's changing so much, and and that comes with this new, this new uh, leadership group, and just you know when they're talking to the guys that are that are now leaving, it's. Uh, I think the I don't even want to call them bad eggs, but I think the people that that have made those assumptions left the team in a bad era. And this is this isn't the case anymore. You know, it's a lot of youthful people and the people that are leaving are saying, you know, as they're saying goodbye, it's you know, I know it's got to be tough because you'll you'll leave in a, a group where you're not just it's not an old man's club. It's you know, you were probably had a great role of being a mentor to the future. And, you know, the unity and the bond from last year, it's, it's got to be, you know, uh, enormous, like shit. Uh, listening to, to Foley, it, it was, dude, that was like, that was heartbreaking, you know. But um, I think that whole narrative of nobody wants to come here, the pressure's too high. I think that's that's being driven out of this, uh, this Montreal, uh, how people look at us. And I'm excited for it, you know. I think that's uh, we're turning a, a page finally. Well, I, I think, think that, oh, sorry, go ahead, do the guest. I was just going to say, I think it's a great point. I mean, you look at guys that, that left, like Sherratt and Toffoli, they left on good terms. They left mm-hmm. with chances to go different places. Where you look at in the past, like Max Pacioretty and Alex Galchenyuk, it kind of felt like a bad marriage when they left in terms of just, at that point, it was writing on the wall, and it was not in the during the regular season for a chance to go to the playoffs. It was we have to move them because we've hit rock bottom with these guys. Mm-hmm. And so leaving on better terms is, is just another way to kind of restore that faith in that. So, yeah. And I think it's interesting talking about to fully, especially, but also Sherat guys that have left Montreal this season, they all kind of say the same thing. And they talk about two big factors, Caulfield and Suzuki. And yeah. 
I think there's a number of reasons why. One, they're phenomenal players who are going to be the faces of this franchise. And two, you look at, they have fun. You can tell the guys love them. Caulfield especially. I think it was Edmondson came out recently in an interview and said that he's never seen people enjoy playing hockey as much as Caulfield and Romanov. And when you create an environment like that where it's fun to play and maybe not even personality-wise, but stylistically, Montreal in the past has been a defensive team. I remember Domi had that 72-point performance, and that was that was big shit in Montreal because no one does that here. And that's partially a culture thing, partially because we've been riding Carey Price's back for the last you know, decade and a half, and just that happens. But now you've got a team that, you know, they're not a high octane offense yet, but they're, they're going in that direction. They're driving play. They're playing fast. They're playing loose. And when you're signing free agents, you know, often guys want to play where they can put up points. So I think that'll help Montreal and free agency as well. Well, I mean, under Ducharme, they average 2.2 goals a game, which is terrible. And under <laughs> St. Louis, it's 3.41. It's a smaller sample size, but it's like, night and day difference mm-hmm. you can see where that enthusiasm comes from and i think ken hughes has said it st louis has said it Hockey's supposed to be fun it's not it's at the end of the day it's a business but it's a treat to be able to play a sport like that for a living <clears throat> so i mean that's that should be goal number one and i'm pretty sure tampa and toronto and florida and all those carolina those guys are having fun because they're winning mm-hmm. but they're also playing well so yep and having Kent Hughes as a player agent I don't I may be mistaken I know I'm sure he's not the first I don't know how many player agents have been GMs but I think it's a pretty interesting perspective because we've seen in these negotiations people are going wow Kent Hughes is really good at negotiating well he's been doing it for what the better part of three decades that's his job and they're talking about the players love him. You know, he sees, he's seen the game from a player's perspective. He knows what they want. He knows what they look for in an organization. And I think that's going to benefit Montreal for a long time to come. Now, speaking of uh, the GM, Corey, unless you wanted to cut in there. Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> we asked this to a lot of our guests and I'm curious because I feel like you're pretty thought out seems conversing with you. I'm sure you've had this thought before. If you were Kent Hughes, like one move, you've got one, you signing trade draft pick, whatever, what is your one big move? What are you going to do? And that can be immediately, or that can be in a year or so. Oh, that's tough. Cause tough question. Yeah. It's tough. Cause you know, as, as much fun as Montreal's having right now, they're not one move away from a Stanley Cup. So when you try and narrow it down to one move, you're thinking, okay, what's the closest that will get me further? And I'm just thinking, you know, uh, the, the deadline, Lekin and, and Kulak would be guys that, to keep an eye on for tomorrow uh, if they get traded. But I'm thinking, if I'm thinking one move that I can make, I'm probably thinking more in the offseason. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to get a home run with that Petrie deal at this point, just because who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. with his market. <clears throat> this might be an unpopular opinion, but I personally, if I was making one move, I would at least consider 
trading Josh Anderson. I know that's a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I would be, uh, he's still 28. He's a power forward. Uh, a lot of teams could use him and I'm not sure uh, Montreal. It's similar to Ben Chirot. In my opinion, he might be more valuable to you as a trade piece than he is on the ice. But that, again, I'm well aware that that's not an opinion held by a lot of Habs fans. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll hear about this on Twitter later. <laughs> I think it's, I, I tend to lean the other way, but it's not because I don't understand what you're saying. And I think you're, you're totally right in your assessment. I think most of the Habs, I think there's two very vocal parts of the Habs fan base, those who want him gone and those who think he's Eric Lindros. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I think, yeah, both, both sides are wrong. In my opinion, I think it's closer to what you're saying in the middle it, he's he's a difficult player to assess because when he's on his game, he's phenomenal. But he also you also have to be realistic about what he provides. And he was playing. He had a, a couple game stretch where he was passing, and we were going, "Oh my god, has this guy changed his game?" He he can't pass. He can't pass the puck. Well, and that's the thing is he's playing with Caulfield and Suzuki, and people talk about the space that he creates, and that's great but that means he's better with the puck off his stick than it is on it really. Cause when the puck's on his stick, I'm thinking, Oh, like, Oh, Caulfield, like, <laughs> like two on one with Anderson and Caulfield. Anderson's got the puck. I'm thinking, come on, you know, you got to pass it here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> puck. But it's just, it's not in his repertoire the same way it is for a lot of, a, a lot of players. There's a lot of things that he does really well. And then there are a lot of things that he can get better at. That he probably won't at this point in his career. Um, and you're right. There's two sides to the argument and both of them range from moderately against keeping him or moderately against trading him to not a chance. He's untouchable to, you got to get rid of him. I don't care if you get a seventh round pick for him. People have crazy opinions about them. Some hold them in high regard and some don't like them at all. And it's not, neither one of them are correct. It's a more complex situation. The only reason I would even consider trading Josh Anderson too is because I look at a guy like Brennan Gallagher and I just don't see you being able to move him. And one thing that Mark Bergevin did really poorly before he left was he really put the Canadians in a cap bind. They don't have many bargain contracts on the roster. I mean, they're in last place and they are one of the, they have the highest cap hit in the league in terms of total cap hit, including the guys that are on LTIR. They don't have any flexibility in their cap situation right now. It's not an ideal world to be in. No, and I'll give Bergevin credit where credit's due in the fact that I know he cared about the players, which is why Gallagher got that contract. And I love Brendan Gallagher. And I, look, if he can return, if he could, because he's not going to, let's be honest, his, it's not his fault. He's taken so much damage over the years. I think Gallagher is, we talk about, Anderson, a lot of people say trade Anderson because his body's going to get worn out. Gallagher's already there. And I agree with you. That's a tough contract to move. And he's a tough player to move. He's mm-hmm. he's almost as ingrained in Habs religion as Carey Price is at this point. He's People are going to talk about Gallagher decades after he's retired. He's part of Habs lore. Something about that number 11 just seems to attract guys that like, you know, Kirk Muller, Saku Koivu. Brennan Gallagher, guys who are number 11, seem not retired, but it seems to be about the next closest thing. No, totally. And I, I agree with you. I think 
that Anderson, you know, trading him for cap reasons is a reason I could definitely accept as a fan. And I'm not on the side of trade him. So I get where you're coming from entirely. Um, I just wonder, I guess it's a move you'd make. Do you think it's going to happen? Because I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking the way Caulfield and Suzuki have played with him on his line, I have a hard time seeing Hughes make the deal. Well, I, I think there's a lot of factors in it. One of them being um, people always talk about like, oh, they get an offer they can't refuse. But like, well, obviously, that's how most trades go. GMs think they got a really great deal. They're going to move them. So I don't think it's as simple as get an offer he can't refuse. But I think I think if there's an offer out there that he likes, then, then you have to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. The question is, how much is he actually even listening to Josh Anderson? Because there are some people that if they were the GM, they would hang up the phone the m- minute they hear the name Josh Anderson. So with Ken Hughes, it's tough to say. It really is because you're right. I mean, Anderson has looked a lot better under Martin St. Louis, and part of it's because he's played with Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, and you can't get rid of everybody. It's not a fire sale at this point. I'm just thinking it's really tough to say. I think I think it depends on that. It's probably going to happen after the draft. I mean, if they go into the draft and they get like Slavkovsky or something, it might make a guy like Anderson more expendable. Whereas if they go defense, they kind of need the forwards. So it makes it harder to move a guy like Anderson. It really kind of depends on how the rest of the free agency shapes out. But I think ultimately the return is the most important thing. If there, if there's prospects and picks on the line, I think you can do it. But if you don't like the offer, obviously you're not going to take it. So it's really tough to say, but if I was Kent Hughes, I would be, uh, letting teams know that we're more than willing to listen to offers on them. Not necessarily take one, but listen to them. Oh, I actually, I like that because that's something that we don't hear often. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I'm sorry if you get a little backlash on Twitter later, but I mean, honestly, that is a, that's a hot take because it's, it's not really, you know, talked about as, as of lately. And it's not a bad move. Let's be honest, Josh Anderson isn't going to finish his career here, probably. He's going to get traded eventually. And, you know, I like how you said we're not trying to trade everybody right now. It's not a fucking fire sale. But it's it's not a bad move. He's sitting at uh, his, I mean, what's his caps, like 5-5. Five, five. It's, it's not a bad, it's not something that people would be afraid to take, whereas like uh, Brendan Gallagher would be, um, you know, honestly, like you're saying, we if depending on where we draft and we have something that kind of secures, uh, you know, something that could fill in that that role. Josh Anderson's time with this team, you know, I, I can't I can't really say it's you know how many years it's going to be, but I, I don't see him finishing out his career here. So if we get an offer that's really nice, um, you know, if it's biteable, bite on it, you know. Uh, I honestly would have liked to have seen Tyler Toffoli stick around and Josh Anderson had been the one to move, but Daryl Sutler had to have his way. And, you know, I, I'm upset about it, but I think we're, we're better because of it. So I but. think realistically there are only two, if you even want to say there are two names in Montreal that are not tradable and that's Caulfield and Suzuki. But in saying that, like, if someone offers me Jack Hughes, Hughes for either of them, I'm taking that 
deal at the same time, right? Like right. I think part of being a good GM is being, you know, you got to be flexible. And that was something that Bergevin, we shit on him nonstop now. We have to praise what he was good at, though. Bergevin was actually a pretty good negotiator. When he made deals, often he won those deals. His problem was he wasn't flexible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we see now with Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, where they're more flexible. I don't think they went into any sort of um, trade negotiations initially wanting to trade to Foley. What I understand was that the conversation started with Sherratt. But once Toffoli was brought up, they said, hey, look, if you guys can offer us something, we're willing to move on. We're willing to get rid of this player. So I think that's a big thing that uh, we've seen improved upon in this organization. But uh, before we just get into a rabbit hole of more trade talk and, you know, we've got some other stuff we wanted we wanted to talk about. I want to know, Ryan, your thoughts on Marty St. Louis and his new coaching style. I mean, yeah, I think we can all agree that we we see a pretty significant difference between Ducharme and St. Louis. You know, there was a part of me, like, I don't know, like six or seven games in where I was like, let's let's wait before we start, you know, labeling, (laughs) before we build a statue. Just remember that, you know, Bruce Boudreaux started 7-0 in Vancouver, and I don't, I'm not saying he's been bad there by any stretch, but there's always a chance that you'll come back down to earth and it's it's getting harder and harder to to deny that at this point that that St. Louis is much better than Ducharme and I mean just like I've been going through game after game looking at the numbers and just basically the only place that I've seen that they haven't really improved under St. Louis is um, their power play and even then it hasn't gotten worse it's basically the same Uh, and so like and the most important part with this hire for me was getting Caulfield back on track and he's done more than that. So it's hard to say, I, I don't like the move. And especially for a team that's rebuilding, you're not looking for a coach that's strictly about winning. You're looking for a coach that's about development and Romanoff right now, he played 23 minutes in the game yesterday. He led everybody on a nice time. He's giving Corey Shuneman chances and he's deserving those chances. Uh, it's all about how you perform in your, in the concepts, not the systems. And it's uh it's a night and day difference. So he's passed every test I could throw at him with flying colors. He's been uh, a welcomed addition and um, he's exactly the kind of coach. I think a, a team in the middle of a rebuild would want because he's prioritizing development of players, not just prospects, but just everybody getting better um, as opposed to focusing on trying to win games like Ducharme was. And there are noticeable differences I mean, how many times under Ducharme would you see a guy get the puck and he would just rim it around the boards to nobody? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yesterday I saw Mike Hoffman throw a, a, a saucer pass across the ice to Chris Weidman. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? Because Lord knows we didn't see that in the first 40-something games of the year. So, yeah. And, I mean, I think we can all agree that they're way more fun to watch. Like, I'm enjoying watching them play hockey again, whereas before it felt like a chore to try and watch them play. Mm-hmm. I'm looking and, for an excuse not to. Yeah, and that's what them – they're still losing games. That's the thing. But they're losing them in a fun way. And I've said on this podcast before, and Corey, I believe, has too, if Marty St. Louis came to Montreal and all he did was unlock Caulfield and Suzuki, 
this hiring would have been a massive dub. Like that would have been amazing. (laughs) He's done more than that. And I would, I love to kind of further your point. He's speaking to veteran guys too. He's helping their game. He's talking to everybody. And look, I'm not trying to shit on Dominic Ducharme too hard here because I'm sure he's a good person, but, and he's a way better hockey player than I ever was when Dominic Ducharme from, I don't know what college he played to the height of his hockey career tells you to do something. And Marty St. Louis hockey hall of famer, one of the best players, French Canadian players to play in recent history tells you to do something. The weight's a little different people, you know, the guys listen, they have that respect. They say, okay, yeah, you've done this. And I, like you said, he's prioritizing the correct things. He's not been able to fix the power play, which is just a, that's a Habs curse. Like we were doomed to have a bad power play forever. It feels, but another big thing you talk about rimming, not rimming the pucks off the boards. When Montreal had four players on that four on three in overtime the other night and Mike Johnson on the broadcast goes, yes, yes. You know, I, <laughs> that would never ever happen under Dominic Ducharme. Not in a million years. Dom might've thrown two defensemen out there named Savard and Sherratt. Like, well, it's and on top of that, like not only were there four forwards on the ice, they played the whole two minutes. Like they, he was like, we're winning mm-hmm. the game. They called this timeout, put them out there for two minutes straight. Like, and like coffee, like if they're in overtime, coffee will get three or four shifts. Same with Suzuki. Like they're out constantly. Like he knows who his best players are right now. And he knows that those are the guys he wants to, it's a breath of fresh air in every way shape or form it's it's just so crazy to think that beginning of the season um Caulfield had like a game with like 11 minutes before he got sent down it's well I remember the third game of the year (laughs) they're playing the Rangers at home packed house first packed house in Caulfield's career and they're losing by a goal to the Rangers and he's on the bench and Ben Sherratt's on the ice and it's like I know you have a lot of trust in Venturat, Dom, but there's this kid. I don't know if you've heard of him. He scores. That's what he does. He's on the bench. <laughs> and scores you need a goal. and smiles. Like. Yeah. Well, even just, look, I know goal scorers, especially notoriously, they get red hot and they're streaky. But oh, look, at, sure. look at the stats. What do you have? Seven, no, eight points in 30 games under – it was yeah. seven or eight under Dom. Eight, eight points, one goal, 30 yeah. games. And now he's got 31 points, I think, unless they didn't give him the assist last night. Yeah, I don't think they did, unfortunately. Uh, so thir- now he's got 30 points in 47 games. Now, that is huge. Like, that's not a bad rookie season. No, People like- saying he's going to win the Calder. Watch a fucking Detroit Red Wings game, please. Oh, yeah. Outsiders. <laughs> but he's going to finish if he continues at this pace top five in rookie scoring and he's gonna finish coming into a heater for next year like he's gonna finish Mm -hmm. the season hot and yeah i don't know i it's hard it becomes increasingly hard harder to defend dominic ducharme every single game that caulfield plays under marty st louis i I mean that's bang on like i don't want to like you know kick up manly's down and like but like there's people saying like Ducharme might have cost Caulfield the cold that Calder, and it's like 
I think you could maybe make an argument that Caulfield wasn't doing himself a ton of favors in the first 30 games. Like I think Caulfield has played marginally better and maybe that's entirely on the coach, but maybe that's also partially the player. But at the same time, I mean, the, I've never, am, I, I've been watching hockey for I don't know, 15 years now. I don't think I've ever seen a turnaround by a single player under mm-hmm. a coach like this. Like there has to be something to it more than just, Oh, new coach. I'm going to smile more and that'll work. <laughs> well, and we've, we've spoken with other guests about this. Maybe, you know, but what I found out during this season actually was that Dominic Ducharme is the same coach who benched Kale McCarr in the world juniors for Canada. And once I found that out, it all made sense. <laughs> it all made sense to me. Why? our young players weren't playing as well, why they weren't getting the time, because like you said, not to kick a man while he's down, but why Montreal thought that extending him after such a small sample size was a good idea. I find it harder to explain every day. Well, it's, it's, that was the hardest part about the off season was every move they made felt like it was justified by going to the cup finals. Like, you know, if Montreal went into the offseason and said, you know what, we're going to lose Weber, we're going to lose to no, we're going to lose to Tar, <laughs> Price is going to be out for a marginal amount of time. Let's not sign Mike Hoffman and David Savard and just admit that we're going to take a step back this year and maybe start rebuilding. Instead, they're like, we can't afford to, to miss out on the hype that we have right now. Mm-hmm. And they tried to back into it. And that's part of the reason they're in so much cap problems is because they spent like seven all all of the ltir they got from weber they spent on hoffman and savard and it hasn't worked out speaking (laughs) of hoffman sorry i i knew coming into this when they signed him that he was gonna frustrate me i can't remember a hab that has pissed me off more than mike hoffman like I he can score goals and I think annoyingly somehow he's going to finish the year with close to 20 if not 20 but how he manages to do it I have no clue because I've never seen a professional hockey player who appears to care less than him well that's the thing about Mike Hoffman I don't know if you guys are big on analytics but the analytics say that he creates no offense whatsoever but he has has (laughs) an incredible shot so like Austin Matthews, he has an incredible shot, but he also just creates a ton of scoring chances. That's why he scores 60 goals. Mike Hoffman scores 30 because he'll, like, not create offense, but then find the puck in the middle of nowhere and just rip it past the goalie. It's insane. I've never – like, I I want to – and my my dad's a big house fan too, so we talk about it. I don't remember a lot of Kovalev, but I know he was similar. He'd have games where he'd just say, fuck you guys, I'm going to win this game and just go crazy Hoffman's on a whole different level because like you said he'll I don't I've never seen him take hard strides down the ice but he'll pick up the puck at the blue line and just laser beam it bar down it's ridiculous (laughs) and if if he actually I think what's frustrating about it is like could you imagine if this player cared the amount of goals he would score well even with Kovalev like that guy was I think that guy is still probably the most skilled player I've seen the Canadians Absolutely. have. Because he was the kind of guy who, like, I mean, I was eight years old, I think, when he was on the Canadians. But I just remember, like, he would lose his glove, and then he would somehow keep the puck, go back and pick up his glove, put it on, and still have the puck. 
or he'll just dangle through an entire team or he'll just like he won a game in the playoffs in overtime by ripping it from the board hash marks on the boards over Tim Thomas's shoulder to win a game. Like he could shoot the puck. He could stick handle. He was incredible. And I'm like, my dad texted me. I think, I think he texted me after Caulfield's first goal against Arizona. He was like, that was Kovalev-esque. And then he texted me eight seconds later, that one too. <laughs> like it's incredible watching Caulfield. It's like, he obviously, I don't think he reminds me of Kovalev in terms of like, they're pretty different in some, some ways, mainly size being one of them, but um, he's just so him and Suzuki, like they do things. I'm like, Oh my God, I've been waiting to watch a Canadian do things mm-hmm. like this for years, for years. I was thinking, Oh, Drew Ann would be that guy. And Drew Ann sometimes is, but most of the time isn't Caulfield and Suzuki, at least under Martin St. Louis are every single game they're worth watching. And this is, this kind of brings me to the idea of like, when people say that Montreal can't handle a rebuild, I view, I would use this 20 game sample under St. Louis or 17 game sample as proof that they can, you just have to give them something to be optimistic about mm-hmm. because the first 45 games, that wasn't a rebuild. That was just a terrible hockey team yeah. that was poorly <laughs> coached. There was nothing to be excited about. Now the Canadians, I mean, they're, they're only nine, six and two under St. Louis or something like that. Like, they're one game, they have one more win than they have losses. But people are talking about this team like they're a playoff team. There's just so much excitement, so much optimism. People want to watch them play. You can handle a rebuild if there's something exciting to look forward to. There are days I forget that this team is dead last still, like you oh said. Oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. That, that's all I would think about when we were playing. We were in a deep, dark, black hole, and there was no light. But now... We've got the shining light off of Caulfield's smile reflecting <laughs> off those beautiful teeth. Um, two more questions before we, because I don't want to waste too much of your time here. We've got two more for you. First, uh, well, first, before I ask the first question, are you a Shane Wright guy? Do you think he should go first overall? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a big uh, draft prospect person. So usually I kind of refer to what other people are going off of. So if, from what I've seen, most people still think he's number one. So if he if that's what they're saying, then I trust them because truth be told, I'm not going to lie through my teeth and say that I think <laughs> someone else is better. All right. Well, this next question might be a little – I'm not – I'm fairly – Corey's less into prospects. I'm pretty into it. But I was just going to ask you, if Habs don't get the first overall pick, do you have a guy that you'd want them to select? Because after one, two, three, four, five, there's – some parody they a lot of people have different opinions so i mean like that's the thing is people have said oh well you don't get the first overall pick if just because you finished last it's like yeah but the worst you can do is third and that's pretty good especially Mm -hmm. in this year's draft it seems like you can get a pretty good player and i think the canadians are in a position of where like they don't really have to draft by need because they still kind of need a little bit of everything so if there's a really elite center there you could take him you could take Slavkovsky, the winger, because they could use a, a first line left, left winger like it's nobody's business. Imagine a line of like Slavkovsky, Suzuki, and Caulfield. That, that would be amazing. Or you could go with one of the two defensemen, Nemec and which with the Czech guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, Juracek. Yeah, one of those two guys because they, I mean, they need a, 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 a Moritz Cedar kind of player. So. I, I don't really have a problem if, if they go with any of those routes because they could use any one of them. Uh, the most important thing is whoever they draft, they have to develop them better than they have 
in the last 10 years, like Kakaniemi and Sherback and Jewel, like the, all the misses, they can't afford to keep doing that. So that's the main thing is I don't care who they draft because I think they're going to get a pretty good player no matter who, but I care how much they develop them because if they don't develop them, they're going to be in the same problem they've had before, I think, in many ways. So, No, absolutely. I totally agree. And my follow-up was, uh, so I'm notoriously – a big Jake Evans fan. I've been saying that this guy was going to make the Habs since he was lighting it up in Notre Dame. And I love that, you know, it, I think it's funny. I joke around with my buddies. He'll just randomly pull out a highlight move every month and then go back to being Jake Evans. So he's my favorite guy on the team. Who's your favorite Hab? Uh, I mean, the kid in me still says Carey Price. Like that's like, you know, my dad, he had Guy Lafleur growing up. And so, like, when I have a kid of my own, I'm going to tell him about Carey Price probably more than anybody else. Uh, but right now, it's hard hard to say it's not Cole Caulfield because he's just <laughs> – I mean, I smile when I watch him play because he smiles a lot. So, you can't help but admire him. He's he's pretty fun He's an infectious uh, player. <laughs> Although, right now, Corey Shuneman's growing on me. I'm on the Corey, Corey Shuneman – hype train so he's uh, i'm hoping he gets a chance to finish the year in montreal he's solid i've actually really really enjoyed his play i think i think he could prove obviously small sample size to be more than solid though like if he continues to because he provides puck movement which is you know notoriously especially if you're in a lakes guy something montreal lacks well and on top of that it's not just puck move. like kel clegg technically can move the puck but he's not particularly great no like Shuneman it's like this guy can skate he has good offensive instincts like the first goal that Evan scored yesterday all happened because Shuneman joined the rush instead of them Mm -hmm. dumping the puck in he went and carried the puck behind the red line and they allowed them to finish their line change and then they turned the puck over on the four check and scored and it was like that all happened because they had a defenseman who took a chance and I think that's also partially to do with Martin St. Louis saying hey if trust your gut if you want to jump in the rush go ahead right don't have to dump the puck in just make sure you make the right play and he did and so I really like watching him play there's a lot of guys that like I like watching Brett Kulak play we'll see if he's still a Canadian by the end of tomorrow um looking less likely now I mean if 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 Travis Hamannick can can fetch a third round pick I can't help but imagine maybe you could get something a little bit better than that. I mean, yeah, I don't know what Ottawa's doing over there. Kulak, Kulak say, yeah, I thought there was going to be more to that, which was clearly a salary dump by Vancouver because they then traded that third for Dermot. So mm-hmm. they just traded Hamannick for Dermot, which is yeah. an upgrade in the, to say the least. But yeah, I think it's difficult with Kulak. And sorry, we're getting off on a tangent here again, but. I got all the time in the world if you want to talk about Brett Kulak. (laughs) I love Kulak, and I've loved him ever since he came to Montreal uh, from Calgary, I believe. Him and Petrie together were dominant for, I'd say, a year and a half when they were paired. Maybe not dominant, but I thought they were pretty good together. I think he's difficult to assess, though, because he's so criminally underrated by – fans yeah. let alone gms people talking about trading him for yeah for sure. to allude to what you were saying earlier with josh anderson right you see him as an asset is he worth more as a trading asset than as a player 
And I look at Kulak and I say, look, for what we could get from him, I think he's worth more to this organization as a player. Well, the, the, with Kulak especially, he's a UFA at the end of the year, so we'll see kind of what happens in the offseason, assuming they don't trade him. But right now, he's dirt cheap too, right, for the for the role that he serves. Whereas, like, Anderson, he's paid pretty handsomely. So, like, I'm not saying that's bad, but, like, Kulak, it's like he's really good, but on top of that, pretty cheap, which a team like Montreal or any team for that matter, that that's pretty valuable. Um if he was signed for another year, he'd probably be more valuable, like Brandon Hagel was for Tampa Bay, because that was a that was a haul. That like, look, I think Hagel's a great player, but looking at that deal made me think: How did Montreal not get more for Toffoli? Like, oh, for that sure. was such an overpay. It was ridiculous. Well, it just, but it just goes to show you how, like, in a cap-strapped world like we have right now, just how much flexibility a contract like one and a half million dollars for two more years can be and Toffoli is also pretty cheap for what he serves so mm-hmm. I think you're still right on the nose that maybe they could have gotten more so the, the Heineman prospect he better work out and they better get a pretty good player <laughs> that first round pick because it could be a pretty like I liked the trade but like it was more of like a you got to wait and see at least for Montreal for Calgary it was immediate impact but mm-hmm. there is a bit of like okay Toffoli's been just fine in Calgary these guys better work out here so yeah the first like look when you trade a guy like Toffoli I always say people go oh you got a first and I say well look at it you gotta be cautious because realistically you know I think when they traded that I said oh that Calgary it's probably gonna be like a mid 20 it's that could be the last pick in the first round the way that team's playing right now you've really got to hope Heinemann like you said, I don't know anything about Emil Heineman, and I'm someone that watches and studies prospects pretty closely. I'd never heard of him. <laughs> I knew he got traded for Sam Bennett, so he better, like you said, better work out. But he looks like he could. He's a very, very fast player with a good, good skill set. So fits the mold pretty well. But like you said, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that's worth mentioning with Heineman is. The return for Sam Bennett felt pretty underwhelming because most people don't value Heineman very high. And I think it was like Heineman in a second round pick for Sam Bennett. And everybody was like, that's it. Like, yeah, not much. And then again with the Foley. So I think in maybe like NHL circles, like NHL GMs and scouts might be valuing Heineman a little bit higher than because I'm, I'm thinking that both times he's been traded, he's been coveted and not just thrown into the deal, which would which go is, well for Montreal. But yeah. Again, wait and see. Um, Kent Hughes specified that too, not only to the media, but to the player. Like, yeah. look, you are the deal. You're the guy we wanted. Yeah, so that makes me feel a little bit better. But, you know, the, the case with anybody in Montreal right now, whether that be Gooley, um, uh, Harris, if they end up signing him, Heineman, all these guys is development still has to happen. And that's the biggest thing that, is still unanswered with Montreal is for 10 years, they really didn't do a great job developing prospects. And if they change that, then they're in, they're in for a good run. But if they don't, then who knows how long this rebuild could last. Uh, That's priority number one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, this has been awesome talking to you, Ryan. I think we're going to have to have you on because I can tell that you and me are going to have to go back and forth a little bit more. I think we've got a lot more to discuss. I look uh, forward I, to that. As do I. This Anytime. Is 
Awesome. Can't wait to have you back. So, uh, Corey, unless you had anything else to ask him, I think we'll wrap things up here so we can save a little more for a, a follow-up episode with Ryan. Yeah, no, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, like, like I said, before we started, uh, uh, as we close out with a guest, we'd like to give you the floor to, uh, you know, if you want to shout out your social media handles, you got a, a new article coming up about Corey uh, Schooneman or whatever, or, you know, <laughs> something like that you, you want to talk about it, it. The floor is yours, buddy. I plug away. Uh, oh, a lot of pressure there, but uh, <laughs> you, can, you can follow me on Twitter at my name, uh, Ryan Pratt. Uh, is spelled P-R-A-U-G-H-T. Uh, Ryan spelled the only correct way to spell Ryan. Uh, <laughs> you can read some of my stuff at Rabbit Habs. Uh, I'm probably going to make release an article on the trade deadline for Montreal after tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you can also check out my website, uh, ryanonice.com. And uh, also check out some of the other cool stuff we got going on at Rabbit Habs. Check out some other people's articles because uh, we're doing some cool things over there. So uh, thanks for having on me, having me on, guys. It was a blast and uh, look forward to being back on sometime soon. Awesome, man. It's been nothing but a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. We want to thank Ryan Pratt for coming on again. Jesus, I said Pratt instead of Pratt. Uh, Ryan Pratt, uh, tremendous guy. Uh, super happy that he was able to join us. Uh, uh, yeah, so everyone, please go follow him if you're on Twitter at Ryan uh, Pratt. That's R-Y-A-N-P-R-A-U-G-H-T. Great follow, and this kid has a lot of insight on the game. But uh, before we get any further, a word from our sponsors over at DraftKings. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big, too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp because everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first first deposits. Excuse me. Remember, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, guys. So welcome back after the ad read. Once again, thank you so much to Ryan. Uh, that was an, a really fun episode to record. I really enjoyed that. We're going to have to get him back on soon. Glad we got to be the first podcast to have him on because Lord knows, I think there's going to be a lot more of those in his future. I think Ryan's got a pretty promising future, pretty intelligent guy. We loved having you on, Ryan. Thank you. But moving on, because we did not get to you know, go through our little rundown, how we've we been for the week. So that'll be pretty much it for at least educated hockey talk. I'm sure there'll be some gosh <laughs> opinions at the end here. But yeah, no, Corey, we haven't really got to uh, uh, speak beforehand. So what'd you get up to this week? Uh, St. Patty's? Yeah, it was, it was a little rushed. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we had time for Ryan. So uh, instead of, you know, uh, having our little 
get together. We had to cut it short and just get in there, get the get the interview done. But uh, it was it was solid. Uh, I had a really tough work work week. Um, Hockey Trolls was in town, fucking just eating his ass off. Uh, big chilling. His daughter is fucking adorable, dude. She's like I think like six years old. Uh, <laughs> she's hilarious. Um, but yeah, he was down with his family, his aunt. Uh, I think it was his aunt. Cool, cool people. Uh, and so is Kayla. But yeah, one day we were finally able to connect with him. Um, but dude, it was under the worst circumstances and it has nothing to do with him. It's my lap, uh, lapse in judgment. We, um, you know, I was, he was like, yeah, man, uh, I wanted to go boil some crawfish for him and his family. Uh, and then we were going to do some shrimp too. Cause my wife doesn't like to pull, she doesn't like to peel crawfish. Um, if you guys have ever done that in your life, it's honestly, if you're used to it, you're just used to it. If you're not, it's a very time consuming process. If you're not used to it and you're not getting a lot of meat unlike you know, shrimp, like shrimp, you, you at least get in a little bang for your buck crawfish. It's like, if you aren't good at peeling this shit, it's kind of a waste of time. So I had, you know, I had reached out to him. I said, Hey, look, man, you're in town. Uh, you know, you normally come out here and you probably just do the circuit, you know, the, the tourist circuit thing, but you know, like I want to welcome you into our home and, you know, we'll, we'll boil some crawfish. We'll show you like, you know, what, what, like a traditional weekend thing would, you know, would be down here. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, uh, we couldn't make it work. Um, but he said, Hey, look, you know, uh, why don't we, why don't we catch dinner one night? And I said, yeah, man, that's, that sounds awesome. You know, I invited my wife, uh, we went out there, but he was like, yeah, just pick it, pick a day and we'll do it. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do Wednesday because, you know, I still have to record, uh, being the, you know, boss status that hockey trolls is he's got like four episodes pre-done before he even left <laughs> for the week. Um, so I was like, yeah, I don't want to do Wednesday cause I don't want to cramp it up in case I got fucked up. I wanted to, you know, be able to be alive to put on an episode for Habs Nightly uh, for Thursday. So I was like, you know what? Let's just go out Thursday uh, last week. And, uh, yeah, we'll go get something to eat. And, um, you know, of course, he was like, you know, wherever you want to go. You know, like, I, I just want to go somewhere new. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so we have this brew house on Decatur Street that's been closed since covid and uh, it finally opened back up. It's called the Crescent City Brew House. Um, and I've been wanting to go back there for fucking like three years now. So I was like, yeah, man, let's fucking do that. They got a great, you know, shrimp and grits. I know my wife will eat the fuck out of that. Their food's really good. Smaller portions than it used to be. But it's just really good food. Great atmosphere. They got, you know, jazz band plays and stuff like that. And uh, it's got fresh fucking beer. So it's it's really just as much up my alley as it is for them. They have a lot of great creole food there so you know i'm working all day i'm setting up the air show uh at the navy base not not thinking it's a fucking holiday i didn't realize it you know because i don't work in the fucking city anymore when i tell you we got off of fucking work i got dressed me and my wife are driving out there boom immediately we hit the fucking city parade floats everybody's in green (laughs) everybody's in green I said, what the fuck have I done? If anyone has never been to New Orleans, um, Decatur is like the hub street. And my stupid ass decided to pick a fucking restaurant on Decatur. 
So all the parking around Decatur, you can't get to the parking. Uh, you can't get to like the parking lots or the parking garages. And if you do, you're stuck there till like 10 at night till after the entirety of the parade is cleared out. So we're on, we're like, we've basically put a barricade between us and parking, you know? So here I am. Thank God I got a CDL. We're fucking driving around in circles. I'm fucking agitated because I'm like, how the fuck could I be this fucking clueless? Like not to know that, you know, today's St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and it's hilarious because I talk about it the fucking day before that on the podcast. Well, I, I, I was like, is it Irish? Is it fucking Scottish? Because at, at that yeah, moment, your, your my fucks given for St. Patty's Day is not very high. Huh? Your fucks given for the celebration of St. Patty's Day is not very high. No, I like the pagans. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, it, it just, you know, I had a tough work day, so I completely forgot about it. So finally, dude, uh, you know, trolls like, hey, man, we're here. And I'm like, cool. Um, I'm still fucking driving. For it. <laughs> I'm still trying to find parking. Go in. You know, it's under my name, Corey Fleetwood. Go just go sit down. Have, you know, we'll be in there shortly. Uh, able to find some parking. Had to walk about two blocks. Wasn't too bad, you know, but honestly, if I had my old car, I had a Nissan Juke since I was your age. Um, and that car could fit fucking anywhere. So it was a little bit harder with the Rogue, but we got it. Uh, went, you showed up, had some food with them, dude, had a couple good beers. Um, but it honestly came out to be amazing for them because as we're eating, um, I had the perfect seat because I could see out the fucking door. I could see the parade and all that shit. But we were just uh, enjoying the food and enjoying the company so much that the parade fucking passed. And uh, I think I think it was his girlfriend, Kayla, was like, when's the parade coming over with his daughter? And I was like, oh, it passed like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it passed like 20 minutes ago. But it like the food came right as it was about to start. And once the food came, dude, everybody got like pretty quiet for about five minutes like yeah. devoured that shit and then just went back to talking having a great conversation but uh hockey trolls is a fucking stand-up dude i don't give a fuck what paulie's got to say about it poor paulie had covid during this this entire time uh so just co-hosts in two different uh atmospheres at the moment one's dying at home and one's getting fucking lit and you know in new orleans but uh Dude, end, ended on a good note, man. The man paid for our fucking food, even though we fucking pleaded not to. He's just too world-class. That's that's the type of guy Hockey Trolls is. But uh, we came to an agreement to, to pay. You know, we were going to tip. He was going to pay the bill. So, very interesting. Uh, it took me about a half an hour to park, though. Oh, <laughs> it was miserable. I, that's why I can't, I can't do the city, man. Dude. I felt so stupid when I hit, uh, when I hit, uh, not Esplanade, Elysian Fields, which is like, right when you get to Elysian Fields, you're like hitting, you're, you're, you're like, it's like the split between the Bywater. Well, the Bywater meets the Marini, meets like, if you take a left onto Elysian Fields, you're heading straight into the heart of the, the French Quarter. And as soon as we got to that, I'm looking at fucking barricades, and I'm like. Today's fucking St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I'm so fucked. No, that's awesome. And it's it's good good to get some uh, inner tea 
inner thpn relations going i don't i don't know how the fuck what the fuck i'm trying to say inner thpn relations yes yeah sure it works no it's great uh i i haven't spoken to hockey troll i don't in in some time personally i know he's a pretty pretty sick dude i remember when we were doing the uh wow it's forever ago now but the uh ea sports thpn yeah we talked about it yeah He said he loved it. He said he loved doing that the whole time. I loved time it too. too. I, I think we should start her up again. Personally. Yeah. Um, but no, man, uh, honestly, it was the first person from THPN I had met in person. And it was so crazy because it's like, you know, we grow up in this age where a lot of, you know, you, you meet a lot of friends over the, the computer or, you know, the internet, whatever you want to call it. A lot of enemies um, too. Yeah, a lot of enemies, but you don't really <laughs> have a come face to face with them. You know what I'm saying? And, um, it was just so awesome to finally meet one of the guys that has been, you know, around this network since the, the founding of it. And it was just, it was just really special. I told him, uh, I'm, I'd love to see uh, Ovi in DC before he retires. And, you know, we just had a, we had a bunch of laughs and shit like that. And he said he'd drive up from Wheeling and I was like, Oh, I'll come with, visit you in Wheeling. And he's like, if you don't fucking like hiking and shit, he's like, don't come here. Like, we don't have fuck. We don't have fuck all unless you want to go walk. <laughs> I was like, all right, I can understand that. Um, but yeah, man, had a great had a great week despite uh, how busy it's been. But I know I've kind of taken up most of this time. But before we leave, did you do anything fun? Did you fucking just do school shit? Um, no, I did some fun shit. I actually, uh, I I I left Ottawa to come back home before St. Patty's day, which might sound a little mm. counterintuitive, but now I came, I came back home and I went to uh, Trent and with all my back home buddies and we had a good time. And last night I was up at, I was up at Trent's uh, we're recording this Saturday. So I was up there Saturday night. No, had a good time. Uh, there were, I, I was driving uh, around like during the day. So I wasn't drinking during the day, but there were some, uh, you know college like some street parties and shit watch the girl you know the you know the buffalo bills how they like yeah oh my god this girl like jesus christ when if you look i'm gonna give our listeners some some tips if you ever feel like buffalo billsing yourself off a building don't jump ass first so she jumps and like legs out like her ass is point of impact and she like grazed the side of the table if her tailbone isn't smashed oh my i'm not gonna lie like it's horrible but it was fucking hilarious the whole crowd was like (laughs) jump 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 and she hit the ground and you could hear it like there was a collective like hundreds of people going "Ooh!" (laughs) it was bad no we uh if you've ever been to Peterborough, uh, nope. people in Ontario, <laughs> yeah, people in Southern Ontario will know it's constantly under construction. So there's those big ass pylons everywhere. So a bunch of the guys grab, we grabbed pylons and we blocked off the street. We had a nice little street party going for a while. Mm. And then, uh, no, just finished off the night, went to, uh, the junction Peterborough. It's this, it's actually a pretty cool club. I'm not a big, uh, nightclub guy, but I actually enjoyed myself there uh it's funny we have a we have a place called the junction too oh do you yeah it's uh 
it's a bar. It's not really a club for us. Uh, it's got great food uh, if you're rich. Um, but it has like fucking 40 something beers on tap and like uh, another 60 bottled. That's fucking sick. Yeah. I was, I literally was just there servicing one of the, uh, one of the lines, put, put a new beer on for him um, Friday before I came home. Oh yeah. No, like this, I call it a nightclub kind of loosely because mm-hmm. it's the most bar like nightclub I've been to. There's a downstairs. That's a bunch of pool tables and a bar. And then there's mm-hmm. the upstairs, which is like the, nightclub-esque stuff but no yeah i i'm not a big nightclub guy personally but i i, I go there and i i drink bud light like I, at a nightclub so I'm, I'm that guy but no i enjoyed myself i we got there early to get in and like five minutes after open like we're coming in it's i he checks my id whatever Corey, when i say this is like i've i've i was partying in gat all year mm-hmm. so i've seen some monster doormen right some big bouncers. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest motherfucker I have ever seen. Yeah, straight out the and, woods, huh? <laughs> like, not like he he might have been an inch taller than me, but if he wasn't 280 pounds and not fat, like this man was just a behemoth. Like he was a boulder, and mm-hmm. they were kicking some guy out, the other guys. <laughs> as i was walking in so he was like oh yeah you can go in and then he saw them kicking him out so he, like put his arm in front of me because he didn't want me to like get you know like, run over i thought i was gonna die i thought he was grabbing me terrified shaking in my boots but no it was a good time had a pretty good had a pretty good uh weekend nothing out of the ordinary um just to comment on your thpn thing yeah i think it's uh It'll be nice one day. We speak about it a lot when we get some an in-person meeting of Habs nightly. We've been <laughs> trying to get that going for a while. We got to get Corey out on the links, show him that he can't keep up with these young guys anymore because he's been talking a lot of smack over the past what two years now. I could keep I could keep up drinking as far as uh, <laughs> the golf course. I know I'll dominate. So I know I'll dominate. <laughs> yeah. Um. Interesting to yeah see a hockey troll, uh, one of the founding. You know, we've actually become. It's weird to say uh, some of the oldest members of this THPN crew. Mm-hmm. A lot of the original cast is, uh, you know, for various reasons. It's a it's a difficult thing to do, produce content all the time. But we wish them all the best, and we love our new our new. Uh, what do you want to say? Not co-hosts, but affiliated partners yeah. on THPN. network network family i guess yeah and but no it's 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 cool to uh you know after three years of working with hockey troll that you finally got to met him i hope that's something we can continue doing whether that's you know hockey troll dylan and isha out in uh what they're on the vi out in mm-hmm. british Columbia. they're on the up the island yeah the island uh but no priority one we're gonna get some fucking sandbagger-esque uh halves nightly content one day when we get Corey up here and it's gonna be a blast oh yeah um yeah so if the amazed media lab is is you know checking for quality assurance on these episodes hopefully they hear this that there should be a uh a Corey's version of like uh biz does uh whatever bc um where they just <laughs> let me go and explore anything outside of the south 
and my stops include places where THPN hosts are. Like I watch either a NHL caliber game or an AHL or an ECHL. And then I pop on someone's fucking podcast. Oh my we do God. a live video and we just keep this fucking van moving. We got to get you to a fucking lug game. A what? A lug game. What's that? Lug sports. It's, um, I think it's in the U.S. too. It's a big thing up here. My buddy plays for it. Uh-huh. It's all, it's, it's this huge, it's so well run. Like this league might be better run. I played in the best soccer league in Canada mm-hmm. and this league might be run better than it. <laughs> so nice. it's run all by the players. Ooh, it's all that. universe, all university and college students. And it's like beer league. Uh-huh. But it's super well run. Fuck so like yeah. there's there's <laughs> you've got guys drinking beer on the bench, but like they're not they're not going half-assed. Like they mm-hmm. want to fucking win. They had they have an all-star game. My buddy, oh, that sounds can, fantastic. You could the fans. I would I play. would shred weight to just even be a part of that team. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you can see uh, the listeners can't. Uh, my buddy in my Zoom profile picture, mm-hmm. he made the all star uh, the all star game this year, nice. and like they select a bunch of teams. So me and my buddies are going up, and we're gonna build a big fucking sign and just scream at him on the sideline no it's it's like the height of i what do you want to say it's just so college university-esque it's it's a shit show it's hilarious that's sick dude no we gotta get we oh gotta yeah get i'd love to go to something like that like that that's that's what that whole premise is so amazon media labs fund my <laughs> dream to get the fuck out the south and go see hockey and and people in this fucking network so uh maybe i'll just have to forward this whole back half of this episode to them and be like come on you rich fucking people please (laughs) please i'm sure there's a hurricane that's about to take everything from my life within the next i don't know five fucking years again so uh help (laughs) help me get up there so i get a little bit of money um and i could do it before i I spend the rest of my life trying to rebuild (laughs) oh boy jesus well i I would say before it gets totally unhinged, but I think we're past it. Yeah. Uh, There's no fucking door left, so you might as well send (laughs) us home. Yeah, I'll send us home uh, with the, you know, the hopeful, the hopeful image of Corey someday coming up to Canada and getting his ass kicked on a golf course. Um, Yeah, man, look, uh, look, I'll even tell them you just fucking fund you fund me to get up there, like as far as like on my road trip. And I'll bring my sister, who's a fucking, who went to school for film. So she could be our cameraman. It'd be real fucking, uh, I don't know, TikTok style-esque shots. <laughs> you know, well, it'll be fun. But yeah, man, take us out. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough of our scheming. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we've really enjoyed this episode, actually. Uh, it's sometimes this sometimes this season episodes have felt like a bit of a chore tabs have been so bad but lately that's been better and this one i would say is one of my favorite we've done all year so i hope you guys enjoyed it thank you guys for sticking around this long we're close to an hour and a half this is one of our longest episodes in a so while quite this, a while yeah if you made it this far congratulations we really thank you appreciate you and that's you know like i said if you're actually listening or if you know you're cutting the grass and you've got us on to 
<laughs> block out the noise. So we appreciate all the support. And uh, we'll catch you guys on uh, Thursday. So once again, thank you. We'll talk to you guys later. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.